Hello, everybody, and welcome to our very first podcast. You're listening to Up Level Your Career with Judson and Jerome. And just a little bit of a, 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 some information about this podcast. We are actually recording this podcast from our homes in Palm Springs, California, and in Klein Village, Nevada. And so you're going to hear just the natural sounds of the neighborhood. It's very low tech. We're not recording in the studio. So you'll hear background noises. And, but our hope is that what we are providing for the listener is practical information that will help you in your career search, whether you're in career transition uh, between you know, choosing a, a different career path altogether. Maybe you're unemployed and you're looking for your next opportunity. Maybe you know exactly what you want to do next, but you just need some advice about how to get there. We're hoping that the uh, information we share with you is practical and very usable. Um, my name is Jerome and I live in Palm Springs, California. I am a career coach and resume writer. I've been doing this for 10 years. My company is called The Resume Shop Inc. Before launching my business, I was a headhunter recruiter for a staffing agency in San Francisco. And I've been self-employed since 2009, helping job seekers, career changers with resumes, LinkedIn profiles, interview coaching, um, sort of a full service, uh, full spectrum, uh, career search, uh, career services um, company. And um, I'll let Judson introduce himself. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. We're glad you're able to join us today. My name is Judson, and I have been career coaching for the last 10 years and my coaching career started with a business news publication in San Francisco where I realized how valuable content was as it relates to the marketplace to identify opportunities and how this information can really be used as a tool in your job search. Jerome and I met during that time, um, gosh, what, eight, nine years ago, and we were involved with some of the same circles in terms of helping job seekers find new opportunities. And through some volunteer opportunities and networking events, Jerome and I met. And ultimately, I turned to Jerome for some help with my resume. And he was able to provide that, and that actually helped me get my next gig. So thank you, Jerome. Appreciate oh, that. <clears throat> And so what we're hoping to do today is to help you through any career change you may be in or considering. There's a number of different places you could be, and Jerome alluded to this, in terms of are you unemployed or perhaps underemployed or just looking for what your next gig might be. And as we go through the process today, we're hoping you'll take good notes, listen for the nuggets, things that you can actually apply to help you get where you want to go. And as we start into this process, we're going to give you an outline of the actual process itself. There are many nuances to this, but we're going to give you some guidelines and directions to go through this process and to get through it and to get you where you want to go. So the way we look at this is if you're looking for a change, you have to make some decisions. And part of those decisions include assessments. You have to figure out what do you want to do, 
Where do you want to go? And then from there, it will help you how do you get there. So this is kind of a first things first thing in terms of doing a, a personal and skills inventory. And another name for it are assessments. And we have outlined a number of different components of this assessment. First, for some people, but first on this list anyway, is the money and the compensation side. We're going to talk about pinpointing locations and types of companies. And maybe most importantly are the values alignment with those companies and their culture. And then we're going to ask you to do a little homework, if you will, a little exercise of designing your dream job just to write it down. And we encourage you to really write this down because it sounds good in our heads sometimes, but what we really want to do is write it down, get it down on paper because that solidifies thoughts. And once you do that, then you can see, does that make sense? Is that what I really want to do? Um, so do write things down, whether it's electronically or just old school pen and paper. Do write it down and see how it comes out of your head and how you evaluate that as you look at it once it's uh, written. And then right. so uh, we're going to get in. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, and in terms of assessment, we're actually breaking this down into kind of two, uh, two types of assessment. The first being self-reflection. So what Judson is talking about right now are sort of the, the self-reflection tools to start sort of in an organic place from what you already know about yourself to, to begin the career search. Um, so, you know, understanding who you are, uh, what your values are, and, um, and starting from, from that kind of organic place um, is the first step in assessment. And we're speaking about assessment as the, sort of the very first step in this very huge um, job search um, process. So really identifying who you are, what you want to do, what, um, how, how you can go about finding this next uh, career opportunity in such a way that it really is going to be a solid fit. Um, because I think all too often people um, jump into uh, career paths without really doing, taking the time to, to identify what it is they really want to do and then they're not successful for whatever reason, or they're not happy. Um, I know a lot of people, um, you know, you, I've observed people in my life who go to work every day and they just absolutely hate their work. And so hopefully by, by taking this first step and really assessing your values, your needs, um, you'll avoid that being stuck in a rut in your career. Yeah. Good points, Joe. So do you want to do you want to talk um, sort of about each of these components um, under the career needs, um, sort of what we're talking about, and flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the way we've um, structured this, somewhat arbitrarily, uh, the first, first component is the money and the compensation side of things. Now, money drives a lot of people, and we understand that, but certainly money isn't everything. As Jerome said, if you're not happy and you're still making a lot of money, well, it may make that happiness a little easier for you, but ultimately in the long run, you're not going to be content. And you know, looking to be content and, and 
the money and the compensation. There should be an alignment there. Um, so in terms of figuring out what you need from a money and compensation perspective, it comes down to some budgeting. You're going to have to take a look at what do you need well, backing up, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? And in order to sustain and support that lifestyle, what kind of money do you need? So you might want to uh, tap into your budget and see what you're spending and what you're going to need because as you go into the search, what you're going to want to do is make sure that you are clear on what your minimums are going to be in terms of compensation. Because if it doesn't meet the minimums, of course, you don't want to waste your time or their time moving forward with job exploration possibilities. Right. And what I think is interesting that? about, yeah, well, what's interesting about the money piece is it's the most black and white. Uh, there is a, a particular dollar amount that we know we need to survive to make our car payment, to pay our rent, to put food on the table. And so knowing what that bottom line dollar is, is really important because it's the most, I think it's probably the easiest place to start. We know what we need to make. It's very black and white. And then in terms of compensation, I think it's important to also think about compensation as total compensation package, which would include things like not just the dollars and cents, but things like, you know, are they going to contribute to a 401k? Is that important to you? Um, what kind of medical benefits they have. Um, for instance, if you have a, a family member who has particular medical needs, you know, is there going to be a compensation package that's going to cover that vacation time, things like that. So to, to think about the whole picture, but I also, but I think this is like a really good place to start in a lot of ways because you can eliminate a lot of opportunity um, or a lot of options just based on the fact that it's not going to pay you what you need to make. So just really, and I think sometimes people don't have a really clear sense of what that dollar amount is. So putting that down on paper, I think, is important. And then, right. and, and then also deciding how much you're willing to, to waver from it. You know, like, here's, my top, here's what I really want to make. Here's my sort of bottom line. And this is maybe what I could make work. You know, sort of however anyone sort of determines those things for themselves. Um, but when I'm coaching my clients and we're talking about these things, it's like you need to know what your absolute drop-dead bottom line is um, or you'll, you know, end up sort of um, – it's just, right. again, just makes it so clear. Yeah. Well, and in an effort to, to make what we talk about applicable, uh, I know that there are salary ranges, of course, but there are companies out there – where you can determine what the going salary is, or at least get a range, so that you can get a feel for what seems to be fair in terms of asking for and expecting. Jerome, do you have any um, specific resources for for salary? Well, I, I used to. Uh, there was a, a website that I used to use called salaries.com, where you could look up, you know, based on what your particular um, like say you're a graphic designer, what sort of the, the range would be within a particular um, location, right? So if you're in San Francisco, what what uh, the low, medium, high range would be for years of experience. That was salaries.com. I know that Glassdoor, I believe, um, publishes information about um, 
salaries for particular companies, which I think is really beneficial. Do you know of any others, Judson? Um, it seemed to me that Robert Half had one an annual okay. salary report that would come out. Um, but I think the ones you mentioned are good. And, you know, just right. like a lot of things, you can go onto Google and just do a search on it and see what you find. Right, right. Because um, yeah. it really is an important component. Um, and I don't know if we want to take a moment here to talk about how to handle the question in an interview. I know we're getting ahead of things here, but topically, when someone says, well, you know, what is your salary requirement? What do you say? You know, it's kind of this dance. It's like, well, I'm not going to share with you until you share with me type thing. And right. you know, sometimes that, that, that can be, that can create angst. Um, and I know there's some laws now where people cannot ask you specific questions around that, but do you have any advice for someone around those lines, Jerome? Well, I mean, we could do an entire podcast on, on salary negotiation because it's such a tricky, um, right. tr tricky topic. I think when I'm coaching my clients, the most important thing for them is to know, it, again, what their bottom line is so that they know where, you know, they need to have a sense of uh, what, they're, what they're looking for. Um, when I worked in staffing, we used to say the first person to name, to name the number loses. Um, so I, my advice to my clients is always try to get them, get, get the employer to just give a range. Um, and uh, so that you know if, you're in, if they're in the ballpark. But the other piece is to, if you know what your dollar amount is, and you know, to even be clear with saying, you know, I'll, here's what I'm hoping to make based on my years of experience, the level of responsibility for this job. This is what I would like to make. There is a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but as much as possible, you kind of want the employer to, to give the number first. Right, sort of right. How I feel so about it. So I guess it. our advice is to be vague when you can. Um, right. And oftentimes, I, I, you know, if they ask, if, if they ask in the interview, how much would you like to make? I always coach my clients to say, I don't know enough about this opportunity yet to give you a, you know, it seems like you want to negotiate salary, but we're just talking, you know, this is a preliminary talk or I don't feel like I know enough about the opportunity right now to give you a salary number. However, I feel like I want to be paid something that's commensurate with my years of experience, the level of responsibility in this job. And so then you sort of get them to, to give the number, um, you know, and I think it yeah. really comes down to how willing are you to walk away from an opportunity if it doesn't pay what you want it to pay. So the more you, I think the more anyone can be solid about what they feel like they're worth and, and being standing at that place in the interview and feel really confident about it, I think, you know, and be willing to walk away from an opportunity if it's not going to pay what you want it to pay, then I think you, you come off just a lot more confident. It's a lot easier to negotiate, um, but it is a tricky, a tricky uh, subject. And I think it's something we should probably talk about in an entire podcast at some point. Yeah. And we will, we will. So moving <laughs> forward uh, um, in terms of career needs, um, we, we've talked about money and compensation. What I want to talk about briefly here is location. Now, you know, we're, we're in a global uh, situation here and you can work wherever you want. I think part of what's going to be helpful is you know, where do you want to work? If you happen to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, do you want to stay there? And even within that context, do you want to work in the East Bay or the South Bay? 
you know, you can narrow it down. There's nothing wrong with that. Just know that that needs to have some flexibility in it. But, you know, what town, city, or even country do you want to work and live in? And this would get into understanding the local marketplace, and we'll have some thoughts and suggestions for that. But understanding what's happening in the marketplace so you can do a needs analysis of, you know, do your skills and, and does your background align with what is needed in the marketplace in any given marketplace, Chicago, New York, San Francisco, wherever, um, this, this is going to be helpful information for you so you can better position yourself to be the problem solver or someone who can really meet the needs of a given organization. So this is giving you uh, focus to your job search as well as both saying, well, I can work anywhere in the world. Well, that's, you, know, you might want to narrow that down for your own benefit. So there is that location. Any comments on that, Jerome? Well, and I also think, you know, to consider is, you know, are you able to telecommute if that's something you want to do, work from home and maybe stay in a location where, you know, you're doing everything remotely. That, there's that opportunity. And then, of course, there's always, you know, family considerations, too. If you have children, location is important in terms of where you live, um, it, as far as school district and, and um, you know, services for children and, um, you know, if you have young children who are in school, you know, are you close enough to their school that if there were an emergency, you could get to them? There's so many things to think about with regard to location. And again, it's one of these, one of these topics where the more specific you can be, you, can be, um, you know, the better so that. Um, you're making it, it, all of this is really about making a decision based on real information and how your life really works. And, and so I think, you know, to think about all of those things, um, you know, do you want to work from, from home? Do you want to work in an office? Um, how, how much of a commute do you want? Do you have a reliable car to get there? Um, is there public transit? All of those things. So narrowing down the location is really um, critical for that. So. Right. So there's a lot, as you can see, and we, we're just going through our list here. You can hear and see that there, there's a lot to this to consider for you to make a, a, a wise and informed decision. So that's really what we're here to help you do is not tell you what to think, but really what to think about as you move through this process. So um, in terms of a type of company, that you want to work for, you know, this is a big thing considering how much time you will spend with this company on any given day. You're going to want to figure out, okay, what kind of company aligns with, with you personally and professionally? Uh, for example, what's the mission of, this, uh, of a given organization? And what will help you in terms of the research required to do this is to to really create a target list of companies. And we'll get into a little bit more of that in detail soon in this podcast. But it is important that, that you give yourself focus in, in this process by creating this target list of companies. And if it is a mission-driven company, and this is what's important to you, 
we definitely want to incorporate that into uh, what you're talking, you know, what you're looking for. Um, let me get back to my my note here um, on that. So, in terms of aligning those values, we think that's very important. We know it is because you're going to be your happiness and being content is going to be derived to a certain degree on what this company is doing and, and how is it contributing to the betterment of society, perhaps in your city, state, maybe even in the world. So don't overlook that component because you could find a great job and if it doesn't have some of those satisfaction components for you, you may not be there long. So let's let's make this more of a longer term uh, look, outlook, if you will, on all this. Um, right. I created. So I think if, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So in terms of values and uh, the mission, it's you know looking at things like if it's a product or a service, is it a product or service that you feel is is contributing to society and something that you'd want to stand behind? Um, if they're creating products, then it's you know you're somebody who doesn't believe in animal testing, you know, to know those kinds of things. Um, uh, you know, working for a particular nonprofit because they have a, a mission that aligns with something that you believe in. Um, you know, working for, if you're working for a large corporation, do they have, are they a corporation that gives back to, to society in some ways? Do they have a philanthropic um, outlook? Like maybe they're, maybe it's a utility company, but they have a really great philanthropic um, mindset. So understanding for yourself what, you know, who do you want to contribute your your skills to, do they, are they making a difference in the world and deciding for yourself what, what those values are and, and how important they are to you and digging into the corporate culture a little bit more, getting online, looking at sources, again, like Glassdoor, reading their web page um, to find out what they're, what they're about, even finding somebody who works there and asking them what the corporate culture is like to make sure, because at the end of the day, that's sort of what makes or breaks the situation. You know, life is too short to not, um, not to love where you're going to work every day. And it could be that the work you do is, is great and exciting, but maybe the company is um, involved in something that you don't feel good about. So to know that from the front end, I think is really important. Yeah. So. And just to throw a, a conceptual term out there so you know what to look for or ask about is CSR, the Co Corporate Social Responsibility. You may be familiar with that term, but it is something that is – um, becoming more and more prevalent in companies to do good uh, and, and, and well, I forget how they phrase it, but it's doing good by I, do you know the phrase that I'm trying to come up with? Your own I, don't, I don't. No, but I'm thinking there was a company that I, I, I remember hearing about and they said they had like a triple bottom line like they were talking about just not just um, the bottom line for the company, but the bottom line for their um, making sure that their employees were get, were being paid a living wage and that they could support themselves. And then a bottom line in terms of what they were doing to the environment. And, you know, so, so those types of um, values, I think are really interesting. It's, and it's such a huge thing right now, right. With having, you know, uh, companies wanting to be sustainable and, you know, greener operations. And so, I think any company on their website, you're going to find a lot of this information because one of the things that they're really promoting um, them, you know, 
promoting for themselves that um, and employee satisfaction is part of that, right? So a lot of companies have, you know, when you go to their website, they're going to talk about what they mean to their employees. So the information is readily available. It's just, again, a matter of defining what's important to you and seeing what aligns. But yeah, I don't, I don't know the phrase you're looking for. Maybe some maybe yeah, I think it well, and they can email us and tell us what it is. Yeah, I think it was something along the lines of doing well by doing good. Yeah, so the company yeah, that makes successful sense. because yeah, they're great. doing the right thing. Right, exactly. Anyway, yep, all good. So, um, and then in terms of moving down our list here, and some of the needs that you might have. Um, I created something called a C list, and I want to share that with you here. And if you are taking notes, um, you can just take the letter C and then L-I-S-T. And L-I-S-T spells list, obviously, so this is part of the fun of this acronym. But let me share with you some things as it relates to creating a target list of companies and who should go on your list and why. So I'll come to C last. So let's start with the L. And we already talked a little bit about this, but that's location. And it could be a specific city or a country, wherever um, within the world you want to work here. But narrow this down because what's going to be required as part of the outcome of this list is it's going to give you the focus so you can take the time to do the research necessary to find these companies that are on this criteria. Because you can't search and research every company everywhere. It's just it's too time consuming. So this will help you cut to the chase. So we got location. And then I stands for the industry or perhaps a sector. If you're thinking you want to work in finance or even more specifically in fintech, you can narrow some of these things down. Now, I know that some people say, well, you know, if I get too myopic, I'll miss opportunities. Well, there is truth in that. But at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, you may miss opportunities because you can't see everything and you haven't focused. And when you're networking with people, this is where this will come into play too. If someone says, well, what are you looking for? Two responses. One could be, well, I don't know. I'm looking for something in the financial world. Okay, that's pretty vague, and that's not going to help anybody to help you in your search. But if you say, well, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a financial analyst job within the fintech world, for example, that's far more specific. And from there, somebody might say, oh, well, I know someone at this company or that company and if you can, as part of that conversation, give names of companies, that could jog people's memories as well so they can better help you. We haven't talked about networking yet, but we all know how important and critical networking is going to be. So let's move on to S. So we've got L-I, so location, the industry. S is the size of the company. Now, for some people, that may, that may not matter to them. Or it does. Maybe you're looking for a Fortune 500 or a Fortune 50 because you like large corporations. Or on the other side of that, maybe you're thinking, I want to work in a startup where there's just seven of us. But consider the size of the company, and usually that's measured in number of employees, occasionally by revenue, but 
it's usually by number of employees. So if you've had experience with a very large global company and you're thinking that's great, then you can have companies like that on your list. If you've had experience with those global companies and you're thinking, you know what, internally, it's just too hard to make change happen, for example. Maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't want that large company anymore. I want something where I can actually see the fruits of my labor, and so maybe a smaller startup company might be a good fit for you. But do consider all of those as you go through and putting companies on your list. And T in our LIST is the type of company. And when I say that, I'm thinking, is it a public company? Is it privately held? Is it a woman-owned or minority-owned, maybe family-owned? So these types of companies can be filtered, if you will. There's a number of resources out there that can help you get there and, and identify some of these companies. So uh, in terms of what type of company, it is important. And we talked earlier about the values alignment. That's going to be part of it too. But look at it from that perspective. So we've got the LIST, the location, the industry, the size, and the type. And then I call this my C list. And C comes last, not in importance, just in order. And it stands for culture. And this is probably the most important one considering the role that a culture plays in our job satisfaction. And to have a list that's manageable to where you can do the research, if you can identify people who work at this company or used to work at this company, for example, using LinkedIn as a tool to get there, you can, you can connect with people who work there and, and find out, hey, what's it like to work there? Give me some insight into the culture. And maybe one way of asking it would be, how would you describe the culture there? It's a nice open-ended question and a great approach to get some insight into what it would be like to work there. So that's my C list, and I hope you took good notes on that. We will have this available if you want this uh, list uh, or this criteria that we just talked about. We'll have this available uh, to you as well. Did you want to comment on anything, Joe? Yeah, a, a couple of things, actually. So I think the C-list is a really brilliant way of, of sort of managing and, and organizing this process. And in my mind, the LIST, the location, the industry, the size, the type, those are the things that are really easy kind of to define on the front end, right? And so in, if I were doing this, I would first say, okay, you know, I'm going to find a number of companies that meet those first four criteria, the, the location, the industry, the size, the type. And then I would start selecting based on culture. So once I had a list of maybe 10 companies that met those first four criteria, then I would start eliminating them or, or you know, targeting them more closely after I found out that they were a cultural fit for me. And one of the, the, um, the exercises I do with my career coaching clients is what I call designing their dream job. And we talked about this very briefly at the beginning of this podcast. But what I do is I say, I want you to design your dream job, but I don't want you to tell me what it is. You know, I don't want to know that it's data entry or that it's a marketing job or a graphic designer job. I want you to tell me all of the intangible things because the, the, the work itself is easy, right? You're a graphic designer. You know what that's going to be like. But tell me about the intangible things. What does the office look like? 
uh, what are you wearing every day? Do you show up in shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt, or do you have to dress in a, a shirt and tie? Um, who, who's around you? Are you working, um, are you collaborating with a team, or are you an individual compu- uh, contributor? Do you see clients every day, or do you, you know, work um, sort of solely, you know? Um, are you sitting at a desk? Are you in a cubicle? What's the workspace look like? Uh, what do you do for lunch every day? And those, I think, are the cultural things that really are, as, as Justin alluded to, those are the things that keep you happy, you know, that you're working with a team of people you enjoy. It's a young team or it's, a, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever those things are that are important to you. And by designing the dream job, it really helps you sort of to, to define what your cultural needs are because I think it's the thing we don't necessarily think about very carefully. And it's the thing that keeps us the most happy. You know, if you're working with people you love to see every day um, in, in an environment, you know, I worked with one client and when we were defining culture, she was like, I want to take my dog to work a few days a week. So that was important to her. And so we looked for companies in San Francisco that were dog friendly. You know, oh, I want to work from home two days a week. So we looked for those kinds of things. Um, you know, and, and so I think, I, I love to see this because it's so easy to kind of um, narrow down the criteria, the, the location, the industry, the, the size, and then the type, right? And then um, understanding what cultural things you want and then having those conversations like Judson was saying, you know, find somebody on LinkedIn who works at the company and ask them, you know, take them out for a cup of coffee, um, see if they'll show you around the office, you know, whatever you can do to kind of get into uh, the mindset of understanding their corporate culture. So let me ask you this here, um, Jerome, in terms of sure. ap- application of what we're talking about, how did you work with your client to identify companies in San Francisco that would allow dogs? That's very specific. So we just did a Google, and I would yeah, imagine, so we did a Google search. Yeah. You know, right. the Internet, Google is my best friend. You can Google anything. You, you can do, you know, top 10 best companies to work for in San Francisco. You know, there are all kinds of organizations that do those lists. I think the business times probably, you know, they have their book of lists and um, you can find out some of some things about corporate culture just by reviewing those lists. Right. But, but there are also um, publications that do the top 10 companies um, to work, you know, best companies, highest employees uh, satisfaction, and I, we just did. We did a, a dog-friendly workplaces in San Francisco and we found a huge list of companies that had where people brought their dogs to work or, um, you know, and, and so we found, yeah, a, a, a list of companies and she was able to target those. Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. And again, you know, there's so much research that's going to be needed and necessary to come up with a good comprehensive list. Um, when I was delivering workshops similar to this in San Francisco, I would always ask people, do you think there are more companies that we don't know about than we do know about? And, you know, of course that's the case. And with that known, what are the resources that can help us identify companies that are in your city or your metropolitan area and I think the business journals are a good source. It's not the only source, but it's a good one 
that book of lists can really help you. If you're not familiar with the book of lists and you're in a major town here in the United States, look up the local business journal. San Francisco is called the Business Times. San Jose was called the Business Journal. But there's Dallas, there's Boston, there's, I mean, they're all over. And to tap into that book of lists and their weekly publication, because it's all hyper-local information, is going to be very valuable to identify what's happening, with whom, and what opportunities there may be for you based on these assessments that we're talking about. Yeah, and I love you know, the business time, times came every Friday, and when I was in staffing, I would look at it on Fridays, and I, would, I often clipped the, like, the CEO profile that they'd have or um, the entrepreneur profile, because those were always interesting companies, and I would clip them and keep them in a notebook because I was always looking for new companies to, to try to bring on board as, you know, to potentially staff for. And, yeah. and it was great to read those profiles because you got a sense of the corporate culture based on who, who's the leadership there. And I remember reading about Pandora, uh, which everybody knows now, um, in, the, in the business times when it was just sort of a fledgling website that was just starting out. And it was so exciting yeah. to, to read about that. You know, and so just to even comb through the business times or those, those journals, whatever they happen to be in, you know, or even the local newspaper and, and see who's doing exciting things that you'd want to be a part of um, right? And, and taking notes and then reaching out. There were a couple of companies that I actually read um, profiles for, and I actually sent emails, you know, to, um, to the, the people and said, Oh, I read about you in business times and introduced myself and, and um, you know, um, just sort of those bold moves of, of reaching out are so beneficial. Um, because a lot can come from that too. So. Yeah. And I think it is a bold move in the sense that very few people seem to be willing to do this. And, you know, the opportunity is there. And if you just reach out, put yourself out there, you know, you have nothing to lose. And, you know, combining this approach with LinkedIn, um, perhaps, you know, seeing who you both know in common that could be part of your outreach and say, hey, I see we both know so-and-so. I uh, just wanted to connect with you and, and whatever your message is from there. So there's a number of ways you could approach this. But um, really, I mean, if you think about whether it be job search or career advancement, what it really comes down to, perhaps oversimplified, is two core elements, and it's people and information. And with mm-hmm. those two things, you move forward and it, it blossoms from there. But to start with people and information, that's 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 my suggestion as far as a starting point. Yeah, and what's surprising is I think we're sometimes fearful to write that email to somebody we do not know. You know, we find their email address and it's somebody you do not know. And, it's you know, it can be a little bit scary to do that. But what I have found overwhelmingly to be the case is that most people are really – um, interested in knowing who you are. They love when they get that sort of, hey, I saw this article about you or I read this novel that you wrote or whatever it is. I mean, because I reach out to, you know, I'm a little bit of a fanboy, so I reach out to, to people all the time. And, you know, you don't always hear back. But when you do, people are really engaged and they want to help you. And so, um, 
you know, just finding that, whatever that in is. I remember there was um, a company that was featured in the Business Times and they were an advertising company and the article talked about some ads that they had done for like the Super Bowl. And I thought they were just hysterically funny, innovative ads. And so I wrote a note to the, to the this entrepreneur, the, the CEO that was featured and said, loved, you know, love this. And I'm in staffing and it didn't turn into anything. They didn't hire us to staff for them, which was no big deal. But the gentleman wrote me back and said, thank you for, you know, letting me know that you, you saw what we did and it was fun. And, you know, and so those doors can be opened very, very easily just by taking a bold move. Right. No, absolutely. And, and you're right, Jerome. I think it is intimidating to reach out to people in a cold call way uh, because the challenge is, you know, what do you say? And, you know, what is your ask? And sometimes, you know, what your ask could be would be just for advice. You know, I work with a lot of college students, and, you know, they they look at this networking thing like, well, I have nothing to offer. Well, that's not necessarily true, but if you want to ask for something that's, you know, an easy deliverable, ask for advice. Right. I mean, everyone likes to give advice, and... You know, prayer, <laughs> you know, all I'm asking for is your advice, maybe some insight. And then if it goes well, maybe you can ask for a referral. Is there anybody else in this industry that you know of that I might talk to to gain some further insight into what's happening within the sector? You got nothing to lose. You, know, you, you have not because you ask not, maybe. So put right. yourself out there. And then the and second ask. part of that, yeah, and then the second part of that question is, is there anybody else that I should speak with, and would you be willing to make an email introduction, right? Yeah. So then yeah. now they've connected you. And at the end of any conversation, uh, whether that's an informational interview, and even, uh, it, we're maybe jumping ahead, but um, say you've gone on an interview and you've made it to round two and they decide to move forward with another candidate, right? So, okay, it's not going to work out with this company. I always coach my clients right back to that employer, the person you met with and said, and say, um, thank you so much for the opportunity. I know you're moving forward with another, uh, another candidate. Do you know anybody else in the industry, anybody else who might be able to use the skills I have and ask for that, that lead? Um, especially if there was, you know, a, a good rapport with the person, it was a good interview, you just, they found somebody who had more experience or whatever it happens to be. You know, just yeah. keep, the, keep that networking opportunity open. Keep that relationship open by saying, you know, oh, it was great meeting you. And do you know anybody else? Who, do, who else do you know in this industry? You know, or maybe is there another opportunity coming up with your company that I'd be a better fit for? All too often we think the door is shut. And it's only shut because we don't continue the conversation. Right. No, that's a really good point. And what I will also add to this, anytime you can, toward the end of a conversation perhaps, um, is ask the person, what can I do for you? How can I help you in any way? Because we don't want to be just takers. We want to be givers too. And if you can throw that out there, maybe it's just, you know, listening to what they said and you can determine what they needed. Maybe it's somebody in your network that you know is like, yeah, I know that they're a vendor and they provide these things. Let me connect you with so-and-so. But do make the ask. You know, they might say, oh, no, thank you, though. But the fact that you asked is what says a lot about you. 
Right. And so this is, you know, just the first step of this kind of assessment um, process. And we've kind of gone ahead and talked a little bit about once you've, you know, through the C list or whatever it is, you've identified your target companies. And now you're getting to the point where you're finding out cultural fits and, and having those conversations. Um, so we have more to talk about, but I'm looking at the time and it seems like we've probably gone over our allotted time for today. Um, so in our next podcast, we'll be talking about um, assessing your interests, um, skill set, and then we'll talk a little bit about formal assessments that are available so that you can get online, maybe take some aptitude tests some personality surveys and sort of be able to identify, um, you know, some additional opportunities and know even a little bit more about yourself for your job search um, through those additional tools. Is there anything you want to say as a wrap-up? Um, first of all, thank you all for listening and tuning in. What we're really hoping for is that you were able to take some good notes, find some nuggets in terms of what we're talking about here, things that you can actually apply to your search, wherever you happen to be in that search. Because what we're always right. shooting for here is true application, not just some theory that sounds good, but coupling that with what you can actually do to change your career path today. Yes. So I'm, in the podcast notes, um, you will find a handout with the seed list that uh, Judson spoke about. And we'll also give you a couple of uh, suggestions for websites that you can look at in terms of identifying money, compensation, maybe some corporate culture things. Um, we'll do some research to find some good websites and share those with you. If you want to reach us, you can email us at uplevelcareers at gmail.com. Again, uplevelcareers with an S at gmail.com. We'll be checking that email address periodically. If you have suggestions for future podcast episodes, if you have questions for anything we spoke about, if you're looking for additional resources that we can provide for you, we'll be happy to um, share, share any information um, with you that um, that we have available to us. And if we don't know an answer, we'll, we'll try to find one for you or direct you to somebody who has that answer. Um, if you're wanting to connect with either one of us individually, I'll just tell you that my website is www.theresumeshopinc.com. And Inc. is I-N-K. So theresumeshopinc.com. We'll also put that in the podcast notes. And Justin, will you please tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, thank you, Jerome. My website is careerpathstrategies.com. Again, careerpathstrategies, with an S, plural, .com. And my awesome. contact information is there on the website. And we thank you for listening today. We're so glad you tuned in here, and we look forward to helping you with further career decisions. Very good. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you on our next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye.